Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. In this edition of Hoopsology, Justin and Matt welcome back the host of the State of Rockets and Rockets Watch podcast, Roosh Williams. The Rockets have a solid young core of players, and Roosh discusses what fans should pay attention to and his expectations for Houston this season. This is a great chat. Roosh is a hardcore fan of the Rockets, but he's also a realist as well, so he has great expectations in terms of what this team is capable of in the future, and just a preview of how Ume Doka is going to fit in with the team, as well as um, some of the new additions. This is a fantastic chat for any fan um, of the Houston Rockets or any fan of the CNBA in general. So enjoy our chat with Roosh Williams. He is the host of Rockets Watch and State of the Rockets podcast. We welcome back... For the third time, Roosh Williams on to Hoopsology. Roosh, how you doing, man? I'm all right, Matt, Justin, great to see you guys again. I always have a, have fun talking hoops with you, so thanks for having me um, before we kick off another another Rocket season. Absolutely, yeah. Excited to have you back. Always fun to chat hoops with you. And I want to start right there with the Rockets. You know, I've as you know, I am a Rockets fan as well. And it's a very exciting year for us with a lot of things, you know, some some not so exciting things, but for the most part, a very exciting offseason for the Rockets. And I want to lead off with that and what I think is maybe you'll agree the forefront of the, the shift in not only the roster, but in this organization. And that's the addition of Coach Udoka. I just want to leave it really open ended in what you're seeing from him so far in this organization. Man, I, I think he was uh, an excellent hire. I'm really excited about what he's going to bring. Um, I, I kind of liken his arrival in Houston to D'Amico Ryan's with the Texans. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, one of the pieces that's missing is clearly that, you know, D'Amico Ryan's played for the Texans and Ime Udoka did not play for the Rockets. So clearly there's a difference there. But just in terms of attitude shift and shift in approach, um, and, you know, at, at this level, X's and O's matter, obviously. But what also matters is being able to, you know, ha- having your voice and your message resonate with the locker room, right? Um, and it's it's hard to make that happen, you know, when you're dealing with professional athletes um, who are, you know, just very wealthy folks that are have autonomy. All you know, it's hard to get everyone to buy in on one page. Um, and and I think he has the ability to do that. I think his predecessor did not have the ability to do that. So, you know. There's that. There's, and I think he's also going to be very accountable. He's going to hold the players accountable. Um, we've already kind of seen it, like last night in the preseason game against the Spurs. Um, he pulled Alperin, Alperin Shingun was having a rough game. He pulled him out of the game for a couple minutes, talked to him, and put him right back in the game. Um, when you listen to his post game pressers, when you listen to his press conferences, he's very direct. There's no fluff. You know, he talks a lot about how they had bad habits last season. Um, he's just kind of no nonsense, right? And and I think that at this juncture for the Rockets, after what felt like uh, a professional sports daycare center at times over the last three, <laughs> three years. Uh, it's refreshing to kind of see that. And then he's a winner, man. I mean, he said it before uh, as a, as a coach, as an assistant coach and a head coach, he has not missed the playoffs. Um, so he brings that mentality. He comes from the pop tree, obviously. So he's got rings on his fingers, of course. 
Um, so, and then, I mean, we're saying the immediate impacts, which I'm sure we'll get into, but he vetoed James Harden, for example. He vetoed yeah. the Rockets signing James Harden. You know, I mean, that's like that's a seismic kind of move there. And I agree with the move. But, but yeah, you're just seeing like, hey, he's got a vision for what this needs to be and for how this can work. Um, and so far, I like what I see. Man, I couldn't agree more. And it felt to me like the James Harden thing was one of those early fork in the road moments in like where where is the direction headed? Because um, you could see potentially maybe gaining some extra wins in the regular season, but forfeiting maybe future progression in bringing in James Harden. And maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe it would have been a better thing. What did you hear in terms of, I I mean, what I heard just from looking and and reading different things was that really, I mean, he put his foot down as far as that went and maybe other people in the room were more in favor of bringing Harden in. Have you heard similar things or or heard anything else as far as, as that win, as far as the decision in the room? Yeah. I mean, yeah, the Rockets were, they, they probably would have signed James Harden if Ime Udoka was not the coach. Um, Mm. I feel pretty strongly about that. Um, There's an alternate universe where, so, so let me back up. All right. So I don't know this for sure, but based on kind of the things I know, I think this makes sense. And, And we've heard some bits and pieces here and there about it. It hasn't been like, you know, reported directly, but I'm pretty sure that Tillman Fertitta basically, okay, so let me back up again. I'm sorry. The Rockets had second round interviews scheduled with multiple people, right? They had uh, Frank Vogel coming back. They had Ime Udoka coming back. They might've had someone else. I'm not sure. And then they had Nick Nurse lined up for an interview. So they were going through a traditional interview process, right? They, and they reported that they put that out in the media. You know, Woj was tweeting about it, traditional, normal process, all that. And then all of a sudden, the Rockets just hired Ime Udoka. They, they skipped, <laughs> they just skipped the second round. They didn't bring anyone back. They didn't talk to Nick Nurse. They just hired Ime Udoka. And so ask yourself logistically, why would that have happened? You know, who has the autonomy to make that decision? One guy. And it's probably Tillman Fertitta, right? Uh, I do know that Tillman Fertitta and Ime Udoka hit it off. So Tillman really, you know, he, he, he valued, uh, Ime's approach, Ime's character, just they hit it off and there was something there. Um, so I, my guess is my opinion and, and partial speculation, partial kind of just reading the tea leaves is that Tillman was like, hey, let's go get the guy. This is my guy. Let's go get him. Let's not fuck around and do all this other stuff because the market's heating up. And he was right about that. Well, if, if, if that's what he said, I don't know if that's what he said, but the market started heating up, right? Um, Budenholzer got let go. The Raptors, you know, had a vacancy like premier spots were opening up. And so it seems like Tillman Fertitta was just like, Hey, I want that guy. Let's not waste any time because we might lose him. Go get him. And they did. Now, that being said, there's an alternate universe where the Rockets hire Frank Vogel. They really, I know certain folks in the room really liked Frank Vogel. There's an alternate universe where they hire Frank Vogel and then sign James Harden. Mm. So you can only imagine what this team would look like. (laughs) <laughs> if that was the case. Right. Um, and thankfully it's not. So to, to answer your question, um, once Ime got in the room, I think things changed. And I also think that's part of the reason uh, you're kind of seeing James Harden in this situation. I think James Harden very much thought, Hey, I'm going back to Houston. 
they're going to pay me. We're good. I'm, I'm excited to go back to Houston. And that's not what happened. So yeah, definitely a change. You may kind of change course in that regard. Um, and yeah, I think you made the right decision personally. So I want to switch gears and focus on Jabari Smith. And I saw one of your Twitter posts um, saying that he's going to be the biggest X factor for the Rockets this year. Um, and he could, depending on his performance, uh, kind of lead, you know, some higher expectations for this team than what analysts are saying. So could you elaborate on how important he's going to be in his development if he does surpass expectations this year? Man, it's going to be huge <clears throat> because it gives the Rockets an extra source of offense. You know, last season he was, he was a rookie, but he was one of the worst players in the NBA, um, given that he played, you know, given how big of a role he had, how many minutes he played and the production that he put out. Unfortunately, statistically, he was just one of the worst players in the NBA. Now, I get it. He was 19. He's a kid. All those things. I understand. Um, but if he's able to be the Jabari Smith that we saw at Auburn, um, man, the Rockets get the stretch big that they're looking for. And they get a little more than just a stretch big. They get a guy who can put the ball on the floor, you know, not not like an elite creator or anything like that, but he can get the ball in the post or at the elbow, take two dribbles, face up, fade away, whatever, get to his shot. He can come off a DHO, off a dribble handoff and take two dribbles into a mid-range elbow shot, kind of like Chris Middleton. Um, and he's shown that. His three-point shot has been better already in the in the preseason. Um, so yeah, if he's able to do that and be efficient with it, it unlocks so much because uh, it gives the Rockets an extra go-to score. Right now, they really only have Jalen Green as like a bona fide go-to score, potentially Alperin Shangun, but it would give them two guys who can, you know, hey, we need a bucket, run, the, you know, get a screen, get a switch, put a 6'8 small forward on Jabari Smith, get him the ball, let him face up, and you get a high percentage shot more often than not. So if he's able to do that, I mean, I, I think it really, you know, the Rockets had 22 wins last season. And again, they did a lot of this with Jabari Smith playing, you know, I think he played maybe 30 minutes a game. I can't remember. Um, and he was, again, not one of the worst or one of the worst players in the NBA. So if he's a high level contributor, if he was even kind of average last season, the Rockets probably win five to seven more games. Oh, wow. Um, and so that's the hope, right? You get a, 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 you get summer league Jabari Smith, you get Auburn Jabari Smith, this, this kid that can go out there and put 20 on your head with ease stretches the floor. That's the other thing. The Rockets don't have shooting. They're, they're, they're on paper. They don't have good shooting. So if he's able to become the shooter that we all thought he was supposed to be, that also changes a lot of a lot of the outcomes for the Rockets. So um, mismatch problem offensively. Now defensively, he's still he's still kind of struggling. He's got bad feet defensively. Um, when he closes out, he's not able to quickly change direction, right? So if once he sells out for the closeout, he's pretty much going to get beat if they if they pump fake and, and drive, if they attack the closeout. Um, and that's kind of been an issue, right? He's been poor at closing out and anticipating that they're going to attack. So, you know, you close out, chop your feet and get right back. You know, he, that that process for him is very slow. Um, but he's shown, he's, he's shown, you know, some flashes of good defense in the preseason. He also is still a little thin. Uh, last night against Zach Collins, for example, he was just kind of getting, you know, just bullied a little bit on the block. So he's still, he's he's looks a little, you know, like he's like he's been working out but he just needs some more sand in his pants, so to speak. So, um, so yeah, he, I, I think, and the reason I said that he's the X factor is because I think you can ascertain a reasonable, you know, production value from the rest of the Rockets roster. Uh, Dylan Brooks, you kind of know what you're going to get. Fred Van Vliet, I think you kind of know what you're going to get. Alperin Shangun, you don't necessarily know what you're going to get, but I think you know what the baseline is going to be, and the baseline is pretty decent. 
Jalen Green, same as Alperin Shangun. Maybe he has a breakout year, maybe not, but at least the baseline is, you know, you pretty much know. <clears throat> the variance with Jabari, I think, is extremely wide, again, because last season, pretty awful. But then he came on at the end, uh, at the, in the last month of the season, and was a totally different player. Uh, and then you see him in the summer league, totally different player. So it's like, which, you know, are we being deceived? Is he actually growing? And all of this. And then kind of to wrap it into Ime Odoka, Ime Odoka is using him correctly. Steven mm. Silas used used Jabari Smith as a, basically a spot-up shooter. And, and I don't know if you guys know this, but he even admitted in a post-game press conference last season that he does not run plays for Jabari Smith, uh, mm. which was just which was absurd. But, you know, I always likened it. He came from uh, – Silas came from Dallas. And Jabari – it just felt like he used Jabari Smith the way that he used Tim Hardaway Jr. in Dallas. Um, kind of just roam the perimeter, catch and shoot, launch threes. And he really didn't understand, like, hey, man, you let this guy get some rhythm and go to work on the block, much higher percentage shot. He's very comfortable with it. There's a lot that you can do with that. Um, and we're also seeing Ime Odoka use Jabari Smith as a screener. He's, he's screening and rolling. Um, and Fred Van Vliet's finding him. And, and they didn't do that at all uh, or very infrequently last season. So, yeah, there's a lot of change there. And um, I, I think it's trending up. Man, and so many times, I mean, tons of NBA players throughout history. I mean, you target getting them layups, easy shots early, and then that just sparks the confidence for their spot-up shooting when that time comes. So hopefully we see that for Jabari. Uh, you mentioned, you know, all the different options that the Rockets have there, and I think that's one of the question, the big questions that I have for you is, you know, we've got Fred Van Vliet who came in as kind of a, an obvious leader type of piece for this team high usage rate in Toronto last year um we want to see development of course from Jalen Green from Shangun see if Shangun has running the offense type of potential for this team how would you like to see the ball move around in this team and what are your kind of expectations there? I've, I've heard a lot about the ball moving around and being shared more in the preseason already compared to what we've seen in the past rocket seasons. But how do you think this will balance out as we go into the regular season? Yeah, that's a really good question. So let me pull this up real quick. Um, the rockets last season <clears throat> going off memory here, but the rockets were either 29th, per NBA.com. They were either 29th or 30th in the league last season. I had it written down. Maybe I still do. I do. Um, so they were, they had the worst assist to turnover ratio in, this, in the league as a team. Oh. And they were 29th in turnovers per game. We're not talking turnovers. They were also 29th in assist percentage. Those are the two. Worst in assist to turnover ratio, 29th in assist percentage. So why is that relevant? Um, Specifically with Fred Van Vliet, he's low turnover. Um, I think last season he had a seven to two assist to turnover ratio. If I'm not mistaken, I'm going off memory here, but I think his career assist to turnover ratio is 5.3 to 1.7, I think. Um, I actually had his stats pulled up, so let me just confirm that for you. But Fred Van Vliet takes care of the ball. Um, 5.3 to 1.7 turnovers, yeah. And then assist to turnover yeah. ratio last year was 7.2 to 2.0 flat. So um, anyways, so he takes care of the ball, um, but also he moves the ball. I mean, he can, he knows he's not like a premier passer, but he's pretty good in the preseason. The ball's been moving. The Rockets are constantly moving off the ball and the ball is moving They're They're doing a lot of handoffs, but instead of last season, they did a lot of handoffs, but those handoffs would just end up looking like a three man weave. Um, and it was kind of just would kill the clock and, and you wouldn't get a good possession. Now you're seeing guys, if the, if the initial handoffs, not there, 
it's very simple. It's kind of perplexing that, you know, Steven Silas couldn't get them to do this, but if the handoff's not there, they're cutting right down the middle and Shangun can hit them. And if he doesn't, they take a defender with them and it opens other things up. So they're doing handoffs, Shangun screening, guys are running screen and rolls, different guys. are. I mean, I saw Dylan Brooks run, run the pick and roll, which I'm not advocating for that, but he did it. Um, so the ball's moving. Now, 29th in assist percentage, what does that mean? That means that the amount of field goals, uh, that means that they were the second to worst team in the NBA at a field goals made being assisted. So what does that kind of tell you? It tells you that they did a lot of isolation bullshit, right? Yeah, now, no rhythm. No rhythm, ball's not moving, guys aren't trusting each other, guys have no chemistry, right? First preseason game of the season, now of the preseason. Some of this is going to be skewed because you have, um, you know, third stringers in there at the end of the, in all, like the fourth quarter. So some of this is, is take it with a grain of salt. Um, but there is a trend here. So the first game, their assist percentage was 54.8%, which is not good. Um, if I remember correctly, that would probably be towards the lower end of the spectrum. Last season, that was against the Pacers. But then against the Pelicans, you start to see a change a little bit. They had 34 assists on 45 made field goals. 34 assists as a team is a lot, right? And so you look at the percentage of that, that's 75, almost 76%. Um, that's very good. That would probably be tops in the league if it was, you know, throughout the whole season. And then again, last, last night against the Spurs, they had 23 assists on 34 made field goals, right? So 68%, just under 68%. So you're starting to see the balls moving and it, and it shows when you watch. Um, guys are playing selfless. Um, another thing they didn't do at all last season was like kick it to the corner for a three. And I'm already seeing, you know, you'll see a DHO or a screen and roll and then a defender steps up and Fred Van Vliet shoots it to the corner and someone takes a three-point shot, right? Like simple basketball, it's not complicated stuff, but it's fundamental principled basketball. And that's not what they were doing last season. So it kind of ties back into your earlier question about Ime Udoka, right? This is like, this is what you're seeing. And you know, in Boston, I mean, they had guys driving and kicking and they were all about shooting threes and just spreading the floor out and getting good shots. So, so that's what I'm seeing. Um, and it's coming, it's, it's interesting. It's coming from different angles. Shangun and Fred Van Vliet are kind of leading the way in terms of assisting the ball. Uh, what's his name? Jalen Green has been used as a creator on the ball. He hasn't quite been used in two, two preseason games so far, has not been used as like a volume scorer. He's more so being used to create um, running a lot of pick and rolls, two-man game without Bryn Shangun. And then you have guys, ancillary guys that can that can move the ball, like Jeff Green off, off the bench, right? He's not a, you know, a premier assist man, but he'll go out there and move the ball and get you a couple nice looks a game. Um, Amen Thompson. Amen Thompson obviously has the ability to, to keep the ball moving. So there's a lot, there's a lot there to like, but they're playing team ball, they're moving uh, versus last season where they were just playing stagnant, five out, you know, watch the guy with the ball hope hope for a catch and shoot usually it just broke down into isolation so so it's early the season hasn't even started yet but what is your expectations for this season and also for like a three to four year projection if everything goes right for the rockets like do you see like what, what kind of the steps you like to see this season for like the eventual end game of the rockets um being a perennial contender in the western conference what what would you define as things going going right? Um, let's see. I would say 
you know, the, the improvements, like you were saying, as well as competing with kind of the elite teams within the Western Conference, um, you know, Matt's a huge Rockets fan, so I've paid attention to them, and I just know that they have a lot of young talent, but like you said, I feel like they're undisciplined, so I think yeah. a lot of the mistakes they made last year, them improving that, um, even if it doesn't necessarily result in, like, dramatic improvement and wins, um, if those mistakes are improved, I think there's a lot of potential there, but you may, you follow this team pretty hardcore. So what exactly are you looking for? Like for this season compared to like, you know, other, you know, nationwide analysts that might dismiss this team. I think this team has a lot of young talent, a lot of potential. It could be kind of the next kind of Sacramento Kings in terms of kind of, you know, a sleeper team that no one's paying attention to. And all of a sudden they're, you know, the top team in the West. So uh, kind of what is your timeline in terms of where you would like to see them progress? Yeah. So, you know, I'm predicting, I have predicted on the record 33 to 34 wins this season. Um, That might even be a little optimistic. That's, this is the interesting thing about this team that could be an optimistic prediction or it could be selling them short. I really don't know so far. Um, A lot of Rockets fans are very excited and they're like, Oh, this team's making the play in, they're making the playoffs, yada, yada. Um, I think this season, and then, and then I'll address the timeline. This season, they simply don't have enough shooting for me um, to the extent that it's going to, it's probably going to be problematic. They were, I think they were 22nd in three point percentage. Um, No, sorry. I think they were 22nd in three point attempts as a team last season, somewhere around there, 21, 22, something like that. And I think they were either 29th or dead last in three point percentage last season. Then they lose their best shooter. Um, and I'm not complaining that they're losing the guy, but they lose their best three-point shooter in Kevin Porter. Um, they do add Fred Van Vliet, who can shoot, uh, but Dylan Brooks can't really shoot. Shengun is struggling. He's not a shooter. He has the ability to maybe do it, but it's not happening yet. Jalen Green hasn't been a good three-point shooter, 34% on the dot for his career, um, albeit high-volume, tough shots, but still the shot's just not falling at a high clip. Jabari Smith was sub 31% last season from three. So that's another reason with the X factor conversation, if he's able to get that up, that changes things. Um, and that's what, that's your starting lineup, right? So Shingun, Jabari, Dylan Brooks, Van Vliet, Jalen. So you really only have one legitimate shooter um, in that lineup pending the development of Jabari Smith's three. And then off the bench, you don't really have any shooters. You have Reggie Bullock, who was just signed. I don't think he's hit a three yet. Maybe he's hit one, but he can shoot. So there's Reggie Bullock, but he's, I mean, he's a, spot up catch and shoot shooter from the corner kind of thing. And then you have a men Thompson who struggles to shoot, although he's looked decent so far. He's not, I'm not expecting him to be a shooter as a rookie. Um, Tari Eason, I think he shot 34, 35% from three last season. He can do it, but again, not a shooter. Jeff green, not a good three point shooter for his career. So they just don't have that ability. And it's hard to win a lot of games in the NBA when you can't shoot, especially when you add to that fact that, they're just kind of small. Uh, defensively, they're just kind of small. And you saw, if you watched the game last night, you saw that. They got punked by Zach, Zach Collins. Zach Collins bullied them. And that was kind of embarrassing. Um, no disrespect to Zach Collins. But when you when you combine those two things, inability to shoot, smaller on defense. Like if you're going to play small ball, the idea is you spread the floor out and you kill them from three. If you're not able to do that, uh, it kind of gets tough. So I, I think it's going to be tough to win a lot of games because of those two factors. Obviously, that that depends on whether they address those two weaknesses with trades or whatever throughout the season. So we'll see long-term if things go right, that means to me, that means Shengun is able to run an offense 
maybe not like Jokic, but he's able to kind of shoulder the load on an, for an offense um, and do so efficiently. And, and, um, and he's progressing in that regard. It means Jalen Green has has hit, you know, and he's not just this inefficient, high volumes type score. He's more so kind of settled into himself, reliable combo guard, efficient, able to score, improved his defense, all these things. Um, and, and it also means that Jabari Smith has become Jabari Smith. Um, now, the biggest gamble, and I've been talking about this, but it's a gamble. Three-fifths of – that's three-fifths of Houston's starting lineup, and they're all third-year players or younger, and they all have flaws, you know. Um, for Houston to depend on 60% of their starting lineup, none of those guys have been good defenders, by the way, at the NBA level. Um, and we can talk about that separately. Alperen Shingun's actually looked really good defensively in the preseason. Uh, Jalen Green's looked a lot better, too, in the preseason. But two of those guys are not efficient. And all three of those guys have had defensive issues. So they're, the Rockets are relying on a lot to go right this season. And it's just, it's improbable. It's not impossible, but it's, it's improbable. Um, now, over time, if they're able to, you know, progress, it's going to become a question of at what rate do they progress? And are the Rockets able to financially keep these guys together, right? That's kind of the unpredictable part. Um, Jalen Green and Alperin Shangun are going to be eligible for their extensions very soon. On the heels of that will become will be Jabari Smith and Tari Eason becoming eligible for their extensions. Um, so keeping that all together, and then how does that line up with Dylan Brooks getting four years guaranteed? How does that line up with Fred Van Vliet, two years plus a third-year team option? A lot of moving parts there, right? Um, and what do they do with, the, with their Brooklyn Nets picks? I, my prediction is inevitably they're going to have to probably trade one or some of these young guys with those Brooklyn Nets picks to achieve what they want to do, which is ultimately going out and finding a superstar, like an already established superstar, right? Maybe it's Joel Embiid, who knows? Um, so it's really hard to predict, but if, if, if everything goes right, yeah, it could be a good team. I don't know if it's a championship team and maybe Rockets fans will hate me for saying that. Sorry. I mean, that's my opinion. <laughs> just my opinion. You know, I'm just, I'm just trying to be just, just trying to keep it real. I don't know if it's a championship team. Tyler bust. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, yeah. 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 You know, fans, fans just love to like dog you for just trying to like, you know, keep things objective, but yeah, I don't know if it's a title team. I think it could be a really fun team. I think it could be a potential contender. Um, but man, the NBA changes so fast, you know, it's so hard to predict. I mean, three years ago, the Rockets were on top of the league, right? Or yeah. close to it. And and now they're where they are now, you know? So uh, True. Two, two years ago, the Jazz had the one seat in the West, right? And like the foundation of that entire team is gone. It's crazy, right? So, um, so I just, I don't know. Um, yeah. But if things work out, there's certainly potential there. Um, I'm just hoping that they're able to take it like one step at a time and kind of build piece by piece, you know? They're, they kind of, they kind of slept through the rebuild in some ways, took a few things for granted, at least for my taste, you know, the Kevin Porter Jr. Experiment, which I think was a resounding failure, um, giving a lot of real estate to guys like Dacian Nix, who's possibly not really an NBA player, refusing to run through Alperin Shangun and develop him further and see like, hey, do we really have one of these kind of like European unicorn bigs or is it just another guy? I don't know. Um, <clears throat> not really surrounding the kids with veterans, you know, Eric Gordon was like the only veteran they had. And Eric Gordon is not like a vocal, you know, he's a lead by example kind of guy. He's not like a, 
you know, the captain of the of the war room, like like Fred Van Vliet seems to kind of soft spoken. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's he's like a lunch pail hard worker. Hey, I show up every day, I do my thing, I'll show you how to be a pro. But you know, the situation last season needed more than just that. So you know, and then they go spend all this cap money in the offseason and they they try to get Brooke Lopez and it didn't work, which would have been a pretty good, pretty good haul. But then they end up spending all this money on Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks, which is fine. You know, but I mean, NBA is a really good league. It's a really deep league. You know, Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks are not enough to, to take you from, you know, I don't know, irrelevance to middle of the pack even. Right. So, yeah, we'll see. A lot yeah, of it's really going to depend on the, on, the, on the kids hitting. Sorry. Yeah. And then they, they did give up like KJ, for example, I mean, for uh, seemingly to make cap room for that move, if I'm remembering correctly, I gave him up for you know next to nothing. And, and who knows how much he would have factored into this year's plans, but yeah, you mentioned, um, I, I well, would agree. It hasn't been totally smooth. Let me, let me add on to that too. So, uh, they traded KJ cause he's going to be up for an extension and they, you know, they were just like, well, let's, that basically they value Jay Sean Tate so highly that, and I don't, I don't think it was this simple, but I'm making it this simple because this is kind of the easy way to digest it. Trade KJ, keep, keep Tate, you know, get some recoup, some draft picks. Didn't want to extend KJ, whatever. Um, but again, that's the other piece of this is like the evaluation piece. I'm a little, I'm not really necessarily sold on their evaluations. I mean, they had KPJ evaluated just much higher than I ever, ever would have mm. done. Um, they love Jay Sean Tate. I mean, they love Jay Sean Tate, you know, and I think Jay Sean Tate has some very fatal flaws. Um, kind of, he is exemplary of the lack of size and the lack of shooting and they love, the mm. guy, you know, so it's just, that, that's the other thing. Like, are they going to make the right decisions? Are they going to p- pull the right levers, push the right buttons, pick the right players, extend the right guys, trade the right guys? I just don't know. So, yeah, all all fair concerns, I think. And Roosh, I know we got to let you go real soon. I want to leave you with with one last question, if that's okay. If you, if, if you had some more, I mean, I, yeah, I got. I don't want to rush you through your question. If you had some more questions, go for it. Yeah, just just want to get you um, your thoughts on maybe a surprise team or what you're looking at from the Western conference as a whole. It's, it's a league, you know, on top of the Rockets struggle to climb back up in the standings, it's a Western conference that has also gotten a lot deeper, maybe primarily because of KD coming back over, but um, thoughts on, you know, maybe sleeper or surprise from the West and what you're looking at from the conference as a whole. Well, there's so many answers to give. So I'm just going to go through a few teams because I don't know. Um, Minnesota's one that I think might play a little bit better than people think. I think mm. I think they might have started finally figuring it out. And I also wow. think I also think Anthony Edwards. I'm not saying they'll be a contender, but I can see them winning a playoff series. Um, Anthony Edwards is also seeming to kind of like become that guy, right? Um, and that would be a huge piece of that. Uh-huh. Uh, I think the Lakers are dangerous. I think the Lakers are very dangerous if they're healthy. If they're not, then I don't know. Um, the, the Thunder. I don't think that's like a sleeper pick. I think a lot of people are excited about the Thunder, but man, I think the Thunder will be north of 45 wins if they're healthy. Um, because I think Chet's going to be, I mean, Chet's going to be good. Um, I'll say the Mavericks, the Mavericks might disappoint. Um, we don't know. So far, Kyrie and Luka just don't seem to be like unbeatable at all. Uh, you know, they added Grant Williams, 
but I think they're just over, I think they're going to be over reliant on Derek Lively. I mean, they don't have a big, you know, they don't have like a, a big presence to kind of take them over the top. They have obviously elite scoring talent, but you know, and then Kyrie and Luca defensively, I think the Pelicans might disappoint. Um, I guess that's going to depend on health, but I just don't know about the Pelicans, honestly. And then here's the one that I think I'd pick up out of all of them. Don't sleep on the Spurs. Uh, mm. Don't sleep on the Spurs. Keldon Johnson's not a bad player. Devin Vassell's a pretty good player. If Zach Collins is healthy, he's a pretty pretty decent player. Um, Doug McDermott can still light it up off the bench. And if Victor Wembanyama's defensive impact, he's going to have some rookie struggles, whatever. But his defensive impact looks for real. Um, and I think that like that like legitimately might be enough to get them close to a plan. Uh, depends on how bad the bottom of the West is. But man, I don't know. I, I I was watching that team last night and it was only preseason, but they looked good. They were hitting three. They didn't even have one Manyama. They didn't have Devin Vassell. They were hitting threes. They looked really well coached. And obviously we've seen one Banyama. So um, I just think defensively they, they might have enough to stay in games uh, and, and, and pop might kind of, have himself a little resurgence with, with some actual talent. So <laughs> back in win mode for, for coach pop. <laughs> yeah, we'll see, man. I mean, I, I honestly, like, I'm not saying they're going to win 40 games. I just, I could see them winning like 31, 32 games, maybe, you know, which I think would be outperforming expectations. So agreed. Roosh, thank you so much for your time. Always great to chat with you. Please let the good listeners and viewers know where they can find you, where they can follow along and any projects you've got coming up. Yeah, Matt, Justin, like I said, guys, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Always, uh, always enjoy my time talking with you folks. Um, yeah, look, I'm on Twitter, Roosh Williams, R-O-O-S-H Williams. The main thing that I do these days primarily has been Rockets Watch. If you are a Rockets fan um, or if you just want to watch the Rockets, go to uh, Twitter, type in Rockets Watch, follow the Rockets Watch account. We do live streams. We do daily, like, you know, Rockets discussions, um, all that kind of stuff. So I'm really active with that. So definitely check that out. Um, and, yeah, that's what I got. Appreciate you, Fantastic. man. Thanks for your time. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to Hoopsology, presented by Boss Life. If you have comments or questions about this episode, please email hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Also, leave us a review on iTunes and follow us on all social media platforms.